0: Well, if you did not see the post I put up earlier today, we get to look at biblical submission, and we are just looking at the first four verses, or up through, up through uh, 24 anyway. We're not going to get all the way to the uh, 33. But our lack of understanding of biblical submission is why we generally have such a bad taste about submission in church and in marriage. But Paul gives a baseline for us to look at, and that is the church And how we are submitted to Jesus Christ. So we're going to see how understanding this not only affects our relationships, our relationship with God, but it also affects how we pray, believe, make confessions, and see what we state in faith have a positive effect on our lives. So with that, we're going to go over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Let's read this. This is part of what we covered, but we're just going to... Go over this again, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So he, before he gets into this next area of submission, he talks about how we are all submitting to one another in the fear of God. There is a submission that we have to each other. It's not just uh, wives to husbands, as he gets to in verse 22. So submission is for all, no one is left out. You will notice, though, in these two verses that thanksgiving and submission are found together. They are linked. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. When I become unthankful, when I become ungrateful, I decide that I know what I need best, how things should have been done, who should have been blessed, What I deserve, what I have done most obediently, and how much others and God don't realize it yet. That's what becoming unthankful and ungrateful can do. Now talk about an unsubmissive attitude. You can see how these two things go hand in hand. So we have to keep in mind that if I let go of my thanksgiving, if I let go of my gratefulness, I will also be letting go of my submission. Verse 22, he then says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now we can look at this and say, well, if I'm not a husband or a wife, then I can really just skip over these verses of Scripture right here. Really not applying to me. But actually, they apply to all of us. And there's something we need to learn from each one. So we first off, we're looking at the example of the church to God. And that is all of us. God demands neither submission nor obedience. The church is subject to Christ. So he says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, in the exact same way, that the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But God does not demand submission. He does not demand obedience. So if we are going to follow in the example, then if I'm looking for submission, demanding it is leaving the example. Submission brings benefits to us. God's vision is clearer. God's vision is greater. So it benefits us if we are submitted to Him. When we become unsubmitted, I left your room here if you want to write any of these things in, but I couldn't include them all in there. But when we become unsubmitted, we refuse God's wisdom, His Word, His way, and we also reject His insight. We refuse His wisdom, His Word, His way, and we reject His His insight. Often, we get to the point where we scoff at what God has said or what is understood as Him saying. Oh, I can't believe God wants me to do that. Oh, I can't believe that's No, that's for before. That's not for us now. We pronounce the reasons why our way is better and we ask God to go along with our way, bless it, and even finance it. If we let this attitude go unchecked, We become prideful? Well, my way is better. Ungrateful? Why doesn't God do whatever? Why doesn't he give me? Why doesn't he do for me? We'll come up with all kinds of reasons. Ungrateful people are always asking questions as to why things happen the way they do and why things haven't happened for me. We'll have the attitude of Superiority, our understanding is better God is lucky to have me on his team and we become wiser we tell people why what's in the word is not for us today why we don't need that because our wisdom is greater than God's and that's not an uncommon attitude there's a whole lot of people in the body of Christ who have an attitude that my wisdom is greater than God's how many times does the word of God tell us make sure that you hear both sides of an argument before you come to a decision And yet, constantly, people will make a decision hearing either one side or no side. Constantly. Christians are... I know worldly people will do it, but Christians are doing it because I'm wiser than God. So if you let this attitude go unchecked, you will become prideful, ungrateful, superior, and wiser in your views. There are things that hinder... I uh, must have changed the word on this and didn't quite. get it quite right, but the things that hinder me are our, first off, selfish desires. My selfish desires will hinder me because I think so much that this is important, this is needed, certainly God wants me to have it. Certainly God's not going to stand in my way. And so we have selfish desires. We have emotional attractions and distractions. My emotions get involved, and I think, well, this person should be healed. I think this thing should be done. I think this ought to come my way. That should never have happened. We get our emotions involved. And it can attract us to the wrong thing and distract us from the right thing. We also get a clouded understanding. My way just seems to be better. But I just can't see. These are things that will hinder us in this area. Selfish desires. Emotional attractions and distractions. And clouded understanding. So he, he shows us here as the example that the church is to be subject to Christ in the same way the wife is to be subject to the husband. So that's the example. If we don't have a, a rightful grip on how the church, which is everyone, is subject to Christ, then we're not going to understand what he's calling for, or the benefits of what he's calling for here, and people just get resentful. Well, he doesn't really mean that. Why in the world would would that have to be? So he says here again, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. That's not just thrown in there. He is the Savior of the body. We submit to him, but he was the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, I've stated this with you before, whenever we have been on this verse in Ephesians. The submission is wife to husband, not woman to man. He does not say a woman is subject to a man here. He is talking about a wife to husband. Let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now that's their own husbands. It's not somebody else's husband. Just because you're a husband doesn't mean you can come in and tell women that you need to submit. In Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The word they're fitting, is used of actions that are due someone. In the Lord, the action is due because of our position through the salvation in the Lord. So that's Colossians 3.18, talking about the same thing here that Ephesians talks about. Now, submission is carrying out the will and desires of another without being demanded or watched. That's what submission is. If I have to be demanded or watched, it's not submission. It's coercion. It's dominance. It's any other kind of thing. But it's not submission. He says submit. We are to submit to God. God does not demand that we do what He says. There's a willing submission there. If I don't go and and submit, God doesn't stand over me and make me do it. Now, submission is an attitude. Obedience is an act. Submission is an attitude. Obedience is an act. In Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient. You can be willing and not obedient. You can be obedi- obedient, but not willing. There are two different things there in Isaiah. In Philippians 2, eight, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Well, he was submitted to the Father all the days of his life, but he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So, Submission and obedience are two different things. I made a note on this. Rebellion is not a lack of obedience. It is an unsubmissive attitude in a person, even though he might obey. You can have people that are rebellious, but outwardly they're obedient. But you see, inwardly the attitude is wrong. Inwardly, alright, I'll go ahead and do this, but I'm just looking for an opportunity. Remember the story of Absalom. He was obedient. He did the things that were asked of him, but he had a wrong attitude on the inside. It was an unsubmitted attitude. Saul, the king Saul, we saw that he had a a lack of obedience and an unwillingness. You can have them teamed up, but just because you uh, are obedient does not mean that rebellion has not worked its way on the inside of you. Certainly it can. The difference between submission and agreement. We've talked about this before, just kind of kind of reviewing this with you. But the difference between submission and agreement. If I agree with another, I do what I do because it suits me. Because I want to. Because I think it's right. I agree with it. If I submit to another... I do what I do because it suits them. So the submission really never comes into being, never comes into play, until I hit a spot where I'm asked to do something that I don't agree with. I'm asked to go along with something that I don't agree with. Submission to the Word of God is when the Word of God says, don't do this, don't get involved in this. Well, I'm going to do that anyway. I don't think there's any harm in it. I think I can just go out and do that. When he says, don't be drunk with wine. Well, I don't know. I don't get drunk all the time, but maybe once in a while is okay. I don't see any problem with that. And see, we we start to reason things out. I do what suits me. But that's not submission. You see the example of Jesus in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done. There's a submission of my will to God. So when you're going to see this in the church, there's a time when we had to submit our will to God. God says, this is what I need you to do. Has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't want to do? Sometimes people use that as a barometer. Well, if I don't want to do it, then it must be God. That's false. You'll get led astray doing that. God's not going to always ask you to do what you don't want to do. Sometimes He's going to ask you to do something. Oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do anyway. Well, He put the desires in you to do what he wills to do. That desire is there because it's a whole lot better if you want to do something and do it than if you don't. But there are times when all right, I may want to do that, but I see what I have to do. I I don't want to take all that abuse for having to step out on that or having to make that stand. And so that can affect my will. To I, I, I agree with that. I think that's the right thing to do. I think it's a good thing to do, but I don't want to be the one who's taking the fire on this one. And so I don't want to say that. And I don't want to do it for that reason. But Jesus, He stepped up. He says, no, I'll go ahead and do that. Now I don't, as we said, we don't have to be told to do what I already agree is right. Well, I think that's right. Nobody has to tell me to do that. I submit to God's way. I submit to God's word and I submit to God's will. Those are things that I submit to. Now look, look at this carefully in this, this verse. When he says this here, let's read it again, Ephesians 22, 522. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I wrote this in your outline to make sure that you would get it, but the command is to wives, not husbands. That is not a verse for husbands. That is a verse for wives. Now, you wouldn't know that listening to a lot of people. Because what do husbands like to to quote? Submit, woman. Submit, wife. That verse is not to the husbands. It is to the wives. He is telling the wives to submit. Just like in the next verse uh, coming up, we'll get into next week. He's telling the husbands to love. That's not a command to the wife. That's not a verse for the wife. If a wife comes up to a husband and says, you have to love me, she is missing God. That is not for her to play the role of the Holy Spirit nor is it the role of the husband to play the role of the Holy Spirit when he's talking to his wife. He has. Does God ever come up to us and say, hey, submit, obey? He doesn't do it. He'll simply come out and say, this is what you should do. This is how you should operate here. And then he just lets us go. If I'm submitted, I do it. If I'm not, I don't. I go my own way. And God says, well, all right, you can go that way. It's not going to work out well for you. It isn't going to be good. This way is much better. This way has a better ending. I can see the end from the beginning. And if you went this way, it would be better for you. But hey, you want to go that way? (laughs) He lets you go. So if the example is Christ in the church, then we have to follow that example all the way on through. So in no case should a husband ever be demanding, wife, you need to submit. And certainly, never should a husband be saying, wife, you need to obey. Because submission or obedience are two different things. This verse does not say, wives, obey your husbands. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. So that's what he says. Husbands may want to remind their wife about this, but that is not the thing that we're supposed to be doing. It's up to me to obey the commands that are given to me. It's not up to somebody else. i got to do it myself. Now, when you are submitted to more than one authority, the higher one will always take precedence. If you have a husband and for some reason he's trying to do something and leads you in a direction that is outside the will of God, well, that's not something we're supposed to be submitted to. We may be submitted to certain laws and things that are in this country, but if that laws, those laws lead you against the authority of, of God, then we disobey them. The people in this country may have uh, ways of penalizing you for it, just like they did for Daniel, just like they did... In the other places, when people went against the law that heathen kings made, they suffered a penalty for it. But they're not going to leave the submission to God for submission to another authority. If I begin to act in an unsubmissive manner, whether it be male or female, husband or wife, whoever it is, if I begin to act in a way that is unsubmitted, I open the door to rebellion. I open the door to pride. I open the door to self-importance, how important I am, how glad God ought ought, ought to be that I'm on His side. I open the door to being a self-proclaimed authority. I open the door to becoming an authority without submission or one who dominates. I open the door for dissension, distrust and disorder. These are things I open the door for when I walk into an area of being unsubmitted. When I, I wrote, put this in your outline for you. When I submit myself to an unsubmitted authority, it will not be long until I am dominated. Now, in a, in a marriage, if a wife is supposed to submit to the husband, the husband is supposed to be submitted to God. As we said, submission is, in this area, submission is forced and expected because the person submitted to is not under authority. They're not submitted to any authority. They are their own authority. This is something that you will see in the, in the governments of men all through history. I am not just talking about ours. I'm talking about any period of history that there is. As soon as you get people in power who wish to dominate, they have to remove themselves from any submission to any authority. In our country today, we are seeing people in leadership powers that wish to move away from the Constitution. And yet every single one of those authorities, when they were sworn into office, were sworn in under what? To uphold the Constitution. So they went through that oath not meaning to keep it because they're unsubmitted. You, if you put unsubmitted people into a position of power, those people will dominate. That's the way that they will go. If you put people in power that are submitted in authority, then they will not. They will serve. But these people that will get submission is forced and expected. It's no longer something that is offered. Uh uh-uh. You will come along with this. You will go along. And all through history, we've seen um, governments that started out for the people and moved into an area where they, they took what they were supposed to be submitted to and they would change them. They would alter them. And they'd make them something different. And pretty soon that authority became very, very dominant. And, uh, of course, the book we had to read in high school, many of you read it, I don't think they have anybody read it today, but uh, the book Animal Farm, where they had the, it was a story about the Russian Revolution and where they threw out a dominating force and they had their rules, but, of course, in the book The Animal Farm, the rules kept changing and they changed in favor of the people that were ruling those. And, of course, I remember the, the, the final change they made on those: all animals are created equal, but some are more equal than others. <laughs> that was that's in the book. That's not necessarily in the revolution, but that's what, what was there. But you will always have this in in history. You will see different ones who became uh, their own authority. France had this; they had their revolution. Um, the different powers were. I think even China had a few of these, where the people are to rise up and throw out one, but then the new one came in, eventually they took over and they were just as dominant and just as forcing their opinion on others. Nazis, of course, they're one of the the, um, poster childs for all this. Everybody goes to them. But surely they are a good example of it. If I tempt my covering or another's to step outside of their covering... I bring myself under the curse of the one sinning. That is something that is in the Bible. A couple of examples of that. Israel and Balaam in the counsel to Balak. Balaam counseled Balak on what to do with Israel, how to handle it. And he came under the same curse that he counseled them to, to come under. Because he was encouraging them to step out from one side of their, their covering. He told Balak, this is how you do it. This is how you get them out from that. And Belong came under that very thing. Satan in the Garden of Eden, he's tempting Adam and Eve to come out from their covering. And the uh, serpent came under the curse as well as they did. So these are things that uh, that happen. Submission is important, but it has to be yielded. If it is ever expected, if it is ever um, forced, then we don't have submission and the results won't be the same. But as I willingly submit myself to God, I'll see benefits that come from that. And we uh, mentioned this to you, that our prayers and the things that we have in life are very much affected by these things. Prayer is affected because praying what we want instead of, instead of what God has said or what God has stated is, that He wants in His Word Or praying for what is already provided because of how we feel. That's not submitted. Well, people can get in there with, why are you asking God to forgive you of that sin? I thought you already had. Well, I did, but I just don't feel forgiven. And So they come back and they ask God again. Well, that's not right. You're you're letting what you feel lead you. You are giving more submission to what you feel than what God has said. That's what we have to understand. We are yielding submission to the wrong thing. And the devil's good at this. He knows how to yield submission out of you for something contrary to what you're supposed to do. That's the first thing he did in the garden. And he is going to to do it to every Christian that he can. He knows the power behind getting you out of submission. He knows what will happen if he can move you into that place where you are no longer submitted to authority. You will become ungrateful. We will become unthankful. You will become your own authority. You will second-guess God. You will see yourself as wiser than all the other things and much of the rest of that we gave you. And so your prayers will be altered. Instead of my prayers being affected by the Word and me praying the Word, well, no, I think I can pray for this. And so you've got people that are praying for sickness and disease when there's not examples for it in the Scripture. But I feel like this is the right thing to do. We've got people praying for things that God has said, use the name of Jesus on it. Speak the name of Jesus. Well, I don't feel like speaking the name of Jesus. I feel like praying and asking God for it. I think like He's supposed to do this for me. And so I'm yielding submission to my feelings. That can't go well. Confession. Often reacting to what we see or fear. Our confessions often are just reactions to what we see or fear. We gave you some of these points in a a series we did about two years ago, I think it was. But I see something, or I fear something. I, I see a report. I hear a report. I think something can happen, and I fear that this might happen. And so I begin to start a confession based on what I see, or based on what I fear. And it's pulled me from submission to God's Word or what he has spoken to us. You can't let that that kind of thing go on. You've got to stand up for what does God say on this? What is God speaking to you? Many times we as Christians, we have developed confessions. We'll go into daily confessions. Well, I'm just going to confess this every day. Why? Because I'm afraid this is going to happen. If you look at Jesus with the fig tree, how many times did Jesus say to the fig tree, be cursed? He didn't go to bed at night. He didn't wake up early in the morning. He didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't walk over to Lazarus' tomb in the name of Jesus. He didn't walk over there confessing. He didn't do it. He just walked over to it and did that. He didn't walk to the home of Jairus' daughter saying, Well, I believe. I can see this. He doesn't say any of that. Because he submitted to the will of God. Sometimes our confession gets to be the wrong thing. We get drugged into it. The devil just begins to hit us up. Well, the reason this hasn't changed is your confession hasn't been right. Now, there are some teachings in the Word of God that we need to get our confessions right, the things that we say with our, our mouth. The power is not in me saying it over and over again. The power is me believing what I'm saying is true. That's where the power is. You can say what you don't believe over and over again, it ain't going to happen. Brother Hagin used to always teaches this and this. He used to always the exact same example. Somebody came to him and said, well, I'm just going to say, I own a hundred oil wells. And Brother Hagin would say, oh, it's not going to happen because you don't believe it. <laughs> if you don't believe it, you can say it a thousand times it ain't going to be that way. You've got to get to the point that you believe it and you state it because it's what you believe. I think that you look at the people who say, well, I just know I'm going to get the flu. When flu season comes around, you know, you just always hear people, I just know I'm going to get the flu. Why? Because I believe that. They believe I'm going to get the flu, and so they keep saying it. This, They're just stating what's, what's, what they believe. They can go around every day and say, I am not going to get the flu. I am not, but they still believe it on the inside. I'm going to get it. That that confession is powerless. Because you see, they've yielded submission to something else. They yielded submission to a fear. You can confess all day long, it ain't going to change that. We make declarations instead of submitting to what God has already declared. I feel I must make my own declaration. I gotta come up with something, and, you know, the people who taught that, I decree and declare. I heard the teaching, I listened to it, but, um, I have never altered my speaking to go in line with that. Now if you alter your speaking, you want to go, on, then that's up to you. I have not. And I'm not gonna. I don't need to stand up and say I decree and declare, cause I don't talk like that. I speak what I believe. And I'll say those, those things that I, that I believe. God will speak things to you. And then you need to, uh, you need to stay in line with it. The enemy is constantly going to feed you things to get you offline, to get you to not be submitted to what God has said, to get you to submit to the fear that he wants to put in you, to get you to, to uh, believe a bad report that he's put out there for you, to get you to see things that, you, that are right in front of you and then give you interpretations. Has he ever done that to you? You see certain things happening and he gives you the interpretation. Well, that means this. Oh, I guess it does. And then we buy into... Well, that's, that's what it is. But well, we can get pulled through deception right out from a good stand that we were doing. Just pulled right out. Pulled into praying for things we're not supposed to be praying. Well, I'm, I'm praying that, that away. No, you don't pray stuff away. You pray and ask God to send things, to do things, to uh, accomplish things in His, in His Word. You can pray for that. But we don't pray things... I don't know, know where that one came from. I can't find a single example of anybody in Scripture ever prayed anything away. Jesus would pray something, but it generally isn't to pray anything away. He, he spoke to it. He'd cast it out. He'd do something like that. But uh, you got to listen to the voice of your spirit. What's going on down in... In your spirit, you're submitted to to God. You're submitted to the Spirit. So I got to learn how do I walk in that submission. How do I walk into that that particular thing? And then you gotta you gotta you gotta stay in that area more often. God shared this with me years ago. I think I'm sure somewhere along the line I probably have mentioned it to you. More important than having the right confession is making room for the thing that you're expecting. I learned that many, many years ago. I've always tried to hold to it. I don't always go around having this this confession. You don't always hear me going around, well, this and this is mine, and this and this is mine. But what I do is I make room for it. I make sure, I make sure there's room in my expectation. I make sure that I'm doing things uh, uh, for that thing. I've told you some of the uh, medical things that God has brought me through, or some of the uh, uh, injuries that I've gone through, and... And the, the the things that God will speak to me, you know, sometimes something is going on in the in the body. I'm I'm out there trying to to run and and something is hurting, and it feels like this happened on more than one occasion. It feels like the knee is hurt. I mean, it feel every bit feels like the knee is hurt. And I go to my spirit and say, "What's going on with that?" And um, in my spirit, it came up a couple of times. In fact, even just recently, it came up that way. It's not the knee. And so. Um, I haven't figured out, I've been battling this for a couple of months, I haven't figured out exactly what it is, but um, I went to the doctor chiropractor, and I was talking to him about this whole thing, and I said, I told him what I what I heard, it's not the knee, and so he put me through a series of tests, and he says, I agree with you, it's not your knee. He said, if it was your knee, and I did this, it would hurt. Does that hurt? I said, no. Mm -hmm. So I said, I agree, it's not your knee. Well, we still haven't exactly figured out what it is, but, um, but I, I'll tell you, it's, it's been this way for, for a little while. Uh, you know, The last couple of months, it's a little bit tougher for me to, to get out there. Some of the things were going on with uh, Brother Keith and, and uh, going out there to the hospital and then going up in the afternoon doing other things. So there wasn't a whole lot of uh, uh, time in there. If I didn't run real early in the morning, it just didn't happen. But uh, still to this day, I'll get out there in the morning and I'll get out there for the, for the, for the run. And for the first half mile... Everything in me tells me it's the knee. Everything in me tells me. In fact, it is so bad, I do want to do nothing but turn around and go home. Every single day that I go out there on it. and so I, But I just keep going. Nope, so I, I got to make room for it. It's not time for confession. It's not time for praying. Well, God, I, uh, I need this heal. It's not time for praying. It's not time for confession. It's time for making room. And so I just made room. I, I was talking to Dr. Chiropractor. And um, I took two weeks off in March. Two whole weeks off and did no running. And then after I got done that, he wasn't satisfied. He said, you probably ought to take off some more. Because he knew what I was doing before. And he says, you were you were really going at it. And they said, that's just not. He said, you probably just wore yourself out. I said, I did not. <laughs> did not. But, but you said you've got to make room for the things that you're believing for. You can confess to your blue in the face, I believe this is going to happen, I believe God's going to bless me for, with this. You don't make room for it in your life, it ain't coming about. There's got to be that room, there's got to be that expectation uh, for it. And now I'll go on and, and, and keep doing that. I'll press on through. Once I get to about three or four miles out, and I go out three or four miles, I'm still going out. By the time I get to that spot, I finally feel like all right, I don't have to turn around <laughs> and I'll keep going i've been um, I've been uh, at least back into the double digits on, on that but but um, by the time I get done, it doesn't hurt much at all and I, I told the doctor chiropractor about that. he says, yeah, see if it was your knee, it hurt more when you got finished." so, so he still agrees with me. That's not, what, But you see, that's something I had down in my spirit. Now, I'm getting all kinds of evidence every time I go out. It's not that. It's this. But I have to go and not submit to what God has said, what God has spoken to me, in order to believe that. Now, see, then I'm submitted to my feelings. I'm submitted to my emotions. I'm submitted to uh, what I see. I'm submitted to what I feel, whatever it might be. I'm yielding submission to that instead of what God has said. And that's where we get into trouble. And then we're not making room for the thing. We're not doing that, that particular thing. Sometimes you, uh, you have to listen to your this, but just in making room for, for some things. I'll give you a non-running example, because most of my examples are running ones, because that's, that's where I live at, on, uh, on, on that sort of thing. But if, you're, if you were believing God, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there and go buy a a dress or or a suit or something that's that's, uh, more and long. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you, if in your spirit it comes up, go out and do it, then that's what you need to do. Some people want to go out and they want to buy the smaller thing just as a face statement. But that's not submission. Submission is doing what God says to do. And so if God says, all right, if you are believing for that, here's what you need to do. If you were believing for, if you're a married couple and you're believing God for a baby, He may, He may come up on you and say, well, if you're believing for a baby, build the nursery. It doesn't mean you go out there and you build a nursery because you heard somebody else, they built a nursery and then they got a baby. No, they obeyed. They submitted and then that's, that's what came about. Sometimes we want to do what somebody else did and obey the way somebody else did and get that. That's submission to what God gave them and what I heard. It's not submission to what God gave me. So you've got to make sure that you, you spend that time, hear what God has to say, and then get out there and do it. But that's one of those things, uh, I'm pretty sure I probably gave it to you, one of those, those times. Make room for the thing that you're believing for. How are you going to make room for that? We demonstrate submission to our emotions, feelings, fears, even covetous desires instead of submitting to what God has written or spoken to us. I think I put that one in your outline for you. But we demonstrate submission to our emotions, feelings, fears, even covetous desires instead of submitting to what God has spoken to us. If God has spoken a word to you about whatever situation that you're facing, submission to it is staying with it. Well, no, this is what God has spoken this is what God has said. So I stay with it. Yeah, but your emotions will come up and say, Don't you think you want to go out there and do? No. This is what God has said. This is what God has spoken. And you got to stay with that. That's the submission aspect of it. When the word says healed, when the word says saved, when it says blessed, when the word says forgiven, whatever it might be that it's saying. Don't listen to any other authority or any other voice. Other voices are going to come around and say, well, you're not forgiven yet, you haven't done this. You haven't shown God that you're truly repentant. Well, you're not healed yet, this hasn't manifested. Well, you're not saved yet because you haven't done this. Whatever it might be, the enemy is very skilled at feeding you just exactly what is needed to get you to leave what you're doing. Understand, he took two people who were in a perfect world in the garden and got them to think something could be better and to give it all up. The enemy is very good at deception. He can drive you back into prayer when you shouldn't have gone. He can drive you back into redoing your confession when you didn't need to. He can drive you back into making some new declaration. When all that you have said so far is all you needed. Basically, folks, this is rebellion to God. I am rebelling against what God has said, and I am accepting something else. How can I resist the devil if I'm submitting to him? And if the devil gives us a line that is different from what God has spoken to us, and I yield submission to it, how am I going to defeat him? How am I going to resist him if I'm submitting to him? Can't do it. So for a wife to submit, it is not obedience that is called for. That is not what Paul has in mind here. He's not saying, Wives, obey your husbands. If a a wife in relationship to her husband begins to speak evil or demeaning, to be questioning, making declarations, Against them, based on emotions, based on what they feel, based on desires that they have to be doing the opposite of what Paul has stated here. That's not submission and that's rebellion. But see, these are the areas that we don't always tie this into. The enemy wants wives to focus on obedience because that's not what is in mind. And he can take them to any direction he wants to and say, See, God doesn't want this, so obviously that's not for today. And he messes people up on it. They get the wrong idea of submission. And then when we see things taught about submission to God, submission to Jesus, the head of the church, then we uh, we get them messed up too. And so he knows he's got all that stuff gone. If the submission issue is not intact, neither is our authority. Remember the one person who impressed Jesus. One of the two people who impressed Jesus the most was the centurion. When he said, I have not found such great faith in all Israel. The centurion came to him too. I too am a man under authority. And I say to this one go, and he goes, and to this one come, and he comes. If you are not truly submitted to the authority of the church, you will not operate in the power of the church, the church that God has has put in the, the the power, that the authority, the head of the church brings. If I were to speak evil against Jesus, if I were to speak demeaning words against Jesus, if I were to be questioning Jesus for everything that they did, if I were to make declarations against Jesus based on my emotions. It would not surprise a single one of us that we do not operate in the authority of the name of Jesus. But you see, in the same way, we have to have this submission going on inside of marriages. Again, wives are not to submit to everyone's husband. Women are not to submit to every man. The idea is the wife to the husband. We can get more into that once we see the second half of this going on. You will also notice though that if you fall into a place of evil speaking against the husband, demeaning, questioning, making declarations based on your emotions, well, I feel like... And then you state it. You will also see that that you are becoming ungrateful. Because those two things are tied in. We saw in the beginning, verse 20. You will become ungrateful. You will be ungrateful for the husband's good qualities. You will be ungrateful for the good things that he does do. You will focus on what he is not and what he doesn't do. In the same way, we do the same thing with God. When we start getting into that unsubmission, that area of unsubmission, I become ungrateful for what my God has done for me. I become ungrateful that he hasn't done this. I begin to look at the, why it happens that he moved over here. Why don't I feel this? Why isn't this going on? And pretty soon I put the wrong expectations on the head of the church and I expect him to do some things that he's not supposed to do. In the same way, wives that sometimes put the wrong expectations on the husband. And they begin to think, well, the husband should uh, should make me happy, should make me joyful. Your husband should be, no, you're putting wrong expectations on this. G- Jesus does not make us joyful. He gives us the opportunity to have joy. He gives us the opportunity for that joy to work in us, for that peace to work in us, and so many other godly traits that are in the Word of God. He gives us the opportunity to have these things, but are still something that we need to do, something that we need to walk in. People who are unsubmitted to God will go the exact same way that a family will go when the wife is unsubmitted to the husband. Submission to the husband is less about the husband and more about the wife's submission to Jesus. Very often the wife will blame, well, if my husband was this way, if my husband only did this, that is wrong. Submission to the husband is less about the husband and more about the wife's submission to Jesus. Now notice this, Jesus does not get vindictive thoughts. He doesn't think evil thoughts. He doesn't speak evil words about us when we walk into an area of unsubmission. When we get unsubmitted, He doesn't sit, up, sit there and say, well, I'm going to get that back at that one. He doesn't sit there and have evil thoughts about us. He gave us the example of what happens when the, with the Father when the Son becomes unsubmitted in the parable of the prodigal son. The Father Didn't chase after him. That's not what he did. But what they saw was a father who was waiting for the son to return. Who looked forward to the son's return. Even though he was outright rebellious. When he came home, he still saw a forgiving father. When they chose to repent and a patient one waiting for him to return. Husbands who feel like, well, my wife isn't right, she's not walking according to this verse, and they become vindictive, they think evil thoughts, they speak evil words, that is not the pattern that Jesus has. Now, when they brought harm to others, when people fell into rebellion and brought harm to others, that's when they saw Jesus as a judge. And that's when they saw Jesus in a different way. But when that son came home and he repented, he saw a loving and patient father waiting. And that's the example that we should have. As a husband or wife, if you choose to not submit to Jesus, you will not operate in his authority. You will not receive his wisdom or his revelations or see the degree to which he can bless you. And you will notice an ungrateful attitude growing on the inside of you. Pretty soon, not only Are the people in your life, not what they should be. But you become ungrateful for all the things that God has given, all the blessings that are there, and we become more and more rebellious. And pretty soon, we keep on going that path, we won't even recognize ourselves for what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're walking in. People will be less interested in being around you except for similarly unsubmitted people. (laughs) You will find that the more unsubmitted you are, the more unsubmitted people will find you, and they will feed you in going in that direction. The joy of the Lord won't be present in your life, along with other godly qualities. You can still declare your love for God. You can still declare your love for your husband. But your lifestyle will tell a different Story. You can't try out a submitted life. You just try it out, you're just putting on a show. You have to live it. You have to sell out to it. You have to commit to it. This is the way I'm going to be. I am going to live my life submitted the way God said, because God said it. It's not just wives that are to be submitted to husbands. But there is submission in the body of Christ. There is submission in the church. There is submission one to another. There is submission to Jesus. There is a lot of submission that still goes in. This is just one aspect of it. But if I don't operate in the area of submission, if I do my own thing, I will become my own authority. And this is why things won't work for me. Don't let the enemy, through unsubmission, be able to pull you into wrong confessions even though they sound right because you're going against what God has said. There's there's times I'm going in a direction and a fear can get hold and you begin to be pulled into an area of prayer and God hopefully you hear it, slaps you upside the head and says, Hey, why are you praying about that? Why are you speaking about this this way? Well, I just need to but I already took care of it. I think in the story Brother Hagen shared when uh, he was uh, laying hands on a particular person in the, in the front and they had a demon spirit and God had told him the gift that is on you this is how it will operate when a demon is involved and I'm not going to get into all the ins and outs about that but he told him what would happen and in that instance that happened and so he knew a demon spirit was involved and he commended the thing to go and it didn't go They went through the end of the service and the, the thing didn't go. And I forget how the interaction happened between him and, and Jesus, but somehow there was an interaction on this, um, and he was basically slapped upside the head, and and he was he was telling him he says, I told you that when you felt this, when this went this way, that a demon spirit was involved and to take authority over it and it would go. He said, Well, I did take authority over it and it didn't go, and God was not explaining to himself. He just said. I told you that when you'd commanded the spirit to go, it had to go. And finally it dawned on him what he was saying. And so I think later on in that week, that meeting, that person came on back. And he didn't, I think, if I remember right, it's been a long time since I heard the story. Some of you were shaking your head, so maybe you've heard the story more recently than I did. But I think it was somebody who had a hard time standing up or walking or some kind of a thing like that. And he took authority over the demon spirit that was... Keeping him in a crouched-down position, and I believe the first time he prayed over him, he says, "Now try and stand up." <laughs> and the guy couldn't get up, and so, uh, uh, but he said, "I told, I, I told you, it would go." And so when he came on back the next time, he didn't say that. He said, "Stand up," because <laughs> you see, he knew it had to go. Stand up, and the guy, and the thing stood up. But you see, if you know better. If God has revealed something to you and you walk outside of submission to that thing, you lose your authority. That's why the devil devil loves this kind of temptation. He loves pulling you out of that submission just like he did with Adam and Eve and so many others. Uh, How many people did he pull in this unsubmitted area? Saul was one we certainly saw. Moses, for just a period of, just a, a minute or two, he got him in... In go in this direction. How many times the children of Israel got into an unsubmitted area? Aaron got into an unsubmitted area. Joshua even got into an unsubmitted area. Jeroboam, David, Solomon. You can even look at the good kings in Israel and still there was a time that the devil was able to pull them into an unsubmitted period of time. Now Jeroboam never got back from it. Solomon, once he left that thing, he didn't get back to, to where he was at. David at least repented. Oh, yeah, I messed up. I, I shouldn't have done that. And he 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 fixed it. But the devil loves this because if he can get you into an unsubmitted area, he's going to take away some things from you. If he can get a wife to think the wrong thing about what submission is, I'm not living up to, I'm not doing that, I'm not walking in that way, then they get them out of what the Word of God has said, decide to do it on their, on their own, go in their own direction. But if God has given you a word... Stop having the right confession and make room for it. You'll find yourself doing a whole lot better. Make yourself the room for it. Well, I'm, I'm making room for this in my life. I'm making room in my in my head, in my expectation. And God will tell you some things to to do in that area. But you gotta you gotta walk in such a way as to make room for it. Well, if God has told me that this can come about, then this is what I need to do. Well, Father, we thank you for the blessings that come upon us when we walk in a submitted lifestyle with you. Thank you for the way that you speak to us. You are not a domineering head of the church, but you lived the example that you want us to follow. In the times that we have messed up and we have gone our own way, we don't find a domineering person who's trying to bring us into obedience to everything that he says. We find a patient father who is constantly looking down the road to see, have we repented yet? Are we coming home? Are we coming around? There have been times the enemy has led us into praying, confessing, making declarations that are against the things that you've already told us or done. We need to repent of those and get lined back up to what you said. Not fear the wrath of the head of the church, but to know that he so wants us to fall in line and to submit because it's a benefit for us. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.